You're listening to episode 162 of the Tennis Files podcast. The best tennis rackets for your game with Jean-Pierre Junier. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. My name is Mirban Iranshad, a former Division I college tennis player. And on the show, I interview the world's top pros, coaches, and experts to help you improve your tennis game. And today, it's a pleasure to have Coach Jean-Pierre Junier on the podcast. Uh, Jean-Pierre is a French tennis coach based in Bordeaux, and he's a racket expert with many, many reviews on his YouTube channels. And in the midst of researching a few rackets, I came across his reviews and uh, it looked quite impressive and I liked his work. So I figured, you know what, let's bring him on to the podcast. And uh, he is also the creator of the Team Tennis uh, French and Team Tennis English YouTube channels, which uh, has a lot of great uh, instruction and strategy advice, as well as these uh, racket reviews. And Jean-Pierre also has practiced with some pro tennis players before, so he is not only adept at uh, teaching and uh, gear reviews, but also uh, a great player as well. So you're going to, on this episode, hear about uh, the different types of rackets that are available, and most importantly, the, the different factors that you need to consider when choosing between rackets. And you're going to hear a lot of great advice and you know the proper approach to picking a racket. And that's a very important choice, obviously, because we have so many different rackets that can produce a lot of different types of balls depending on which ones you choose. Uh, so I think you will enjoy this one, especially if you are a gearhead like myself and uh, some of my friends a lot more so than I am are. So yeah, that's about it. And we did record this episode live as we did last week with Jorge Capistani. So um, you will hear some live interview elements and us answering questions. And if you're interested in joining in on those live episodes, then you can Go to tennisfiles.com and then uh, subscribe to my newsletter. You also get a, a cool ebook as a free gift, and then you'll hear from me whenever we have these lives going on. And obviously, other content like my YouTube videos and podcasts and so forth. So, all right. With that being said, let us get into this interview on the best tennis rackets for your game. And so, without further ado, here is my interview with Jean-Pierre Junier. Hey, everybody. Uh, I think we're live now, so uh, really appreciate you coming uh, in to join this very special live broadcast of the Tennis Files podcast. It's really a pleasure to have uh, Coach Jean-Pierre Junier. I hope that I pronounced that correctly. Perfect, perfect. Not so bad. You're good. You're good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Very yeah, good. And it's a pleasure to have Jean-Pierre to talk about 
rackets and how we can select the right rackets for our game. Uh, you know, it's a very popular topic and gear is obviously important and uh, every little bit matters in, in helping us to really maximize our uh, gains on the tennis court. So uh, yeah, I really appreciate Jean-Pierre coming on and, uh, you know, he is a tennis coach as well as an expert uh, on YouTube, I would say, because he has a lot of great racket reviews and gear reviews and also, uh, you know, videos on uh, technique and strategy and so forth. So uh, Jean-Pierre, how's everything going for you today? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Merban. Very glad to be with you uh, on this for this live and to help players and uh, choose their, their racket. Indeed, it's important. And yes, I'm doing well. Very glad to be with you. Good, good. Awesome, uh, Jean-Pierre. Great. Well, I think I wanted to start off, you know, getting a general sense of uh, how everything is going for you, uh, you know, with tennis. I know it's obviously a, you know, very interesting time, tough time, and I've asked my guests this. So uh, first of all, let us know where you're located and then how tennis has been impacted by, uh, by the pandemic? Well, for me, I live in a, in a city very close to Bordeaux, which is uh, usually well known for its wine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's in the, in the south of France, in the, in the west, in the south, close to the Atlantic Sea. And indeed, it's a very special year because of the of uh, this uh, COVID. Um, so uh, there was a, a period where we had to stay at home. Uh, so impossible to play tennis, of course. Um, and um, it started in March and then it lasted uh, until, if I remember well, the 11th of May. And then from the 11th of May, uh, we could start again uh, playing tennis, if I remember well, the date, uh, with some rules we had to respect, you know, to be, to be careful. But to make it simple, it was possible to play tennis uh, uh, from the 11th of May. And uh, later uh, on, the competition was possible. Again, the tournaments in France. But, um, well, I don't know, uh, because I don't play in tournaments. Uh, I don't play in competitions. Um, it's uh, a few years now, but I don't know if players uh, go to competition. I think it's going to be uh, a year very calm concerning competitions uh, because, um, I don't know, it was something players, they stopped playing, they stopped competition. Maybe there is a kind of fear of going into competition because um, maybe um, some players um, still think they could catch this illness, you know, I don't know if you touch the ball and uh, the other player touches the ball and he was sick, maybe he can transmit you the, the illness. I don't know, I imagine. But I think it's very calm because most of the time I receive a lot of emails uh, talking about tennis rackets, uh, which racket should I choose and so on. And I noticed that um, I receive a few mails currently. So it seems uh, everything is a bit karma concerning uh, tennis it's the opinion uh, the feeling i have yeah no i appreciate the uh kind of the background there about how tennis is going in in france and bordeaux uh, great wine like you said and yeah i mean it's uh it's an interesting time and uh i, I know there are a lot of us who uh, you know we try to fill up our time with interesting things and there are a lot of gearheads out there 
um, myself included. So that's why I think it's really yeah. cool to have you on. You know, and again, you know, check out all the reviews that John Pair has done, and we'll have a link to uh, his two YouTube channels. You actually have one in yeah. French and then one in English. Um, which came first, and then what was the inspiration for starting the second one? Well, first I made a website. It was in uh, 2009, if I remember well, teamtennis.fm. And uh, later, in 2016, I created the French YouTube channel um, for several reasons. First, I wanted to, um, to talk about the website. To be uh, honest, I wanted some more people coming to my website. So I thought um, talking about tennis on YouTube and talking about my website is going to be interesting. And at the same time, I made the website because I like to share what I know about tennis concerning uh, technique, tactics, and mental skills, and, and physical training also, and um, especially concerning technique. Uh, I was always disappointed by um, uh, the fact of using a website to talk about technique. It's not easy to talk about technique on a website and writing what you should do. For me, uh, well, I did it because uh, it's okay. I didn't have another idea, another way to make it, but then, when the video came and I, uh, I was more used to the, to the videos, I thought, yeah, that's the best way to give some technical advices to use the video because you show what players should do. So uh, I was in interested. Uh, I wanted to make, uh, to use videos to, to, help, to help players because it's a, it's a really good way to help players, especially concerning technique. For the two main reasons, and um, I was a tennis teacher for 15 years, but now I'm not a tennis teacher anymore. I do another job completely different for uh, many reasons, but I really like uh, teaching tennis. I really like to help players. And for me, the website and the YouTube channel, it's a way to, to be in the tennis, to, to go on, help uh, players. So it's uh, also a way to, to continue teaching without being uh, really on the court with real students. Yeah, but you are impacting a lot of, uh, you know, real great people. So it's, it's really cool that you've chosen. That's nice. Platform. That's really nice. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I don't remember in which year, but later I made uh, an English channel. On my French channel, there are videos concerning uh, racket reviews, um, technique, tactics, mental skills, a bit physical training. And on the English channel first, uh, I made only uh, racket reviews because it really takes time. So I thought, okay, I'm going to make an English uh, channel, but only to talk about tennis rackets. And uh, I always want to do more because I know people are interested in technique and so on. So I always say I'm going to, to make more videos in English concerning technique and so on, but I would like to do it. But uh, if I find the time, I'm going to, I will try to, to do it. But in English, at the same time, there are so so much content concerning tennis technique. I don't know, maybe I can bring something because I can talk about the thing, things a bit differently. But honestly, in English, then there is so much, uh, so much content concerning tennis. It's different in French. In French, when I, sta when I started the French channel, I also it was the reason I was watching what uh, existed at the, um, in French. And I thought about some things I could hear. I want, I want to say something. I, there is something to do. I wasn't. Uh, I wanted to add something to what existed in French. 
but uh, because there were there weren't many things. But in English, it's different. There is a huge content in English. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's just a great medium again. And we're already seeing some some cool uh, you know comments on rackets and uh, yeah, high noon what says talk about flex and swing weight. And we'll definitely get to that as well and some specific uh, racket questions. Uh, we got Suresh Babu here talking about the Wilson Ultra Tour that it's tough to play with. So yeah, let's just launch into the, you know, the rackets, uh, racket yes. advice and, uh, you know, what, what advice you have for us on how to select mm. the best rackets for us. So, and we'll get to the questions I mentioned. So first off, what are the different types of rackets that we can uh, venture out and, and test, um, you know, if maybe you can categorize them for us and simplify it to make it easier. For most of the time, the category you can find, it's um, a control-oriented racket. Mm -hmm. Rackets that are not going to be very powerful. Okay, when I talk about control, you must understand not much power. Okay, I don't talk, because sometimes there is a, um, we can um, think about control uh, and precision. For me, it's different. When I use the word control, I don't talk about precision. I when I talk about control-oriented racket, I mean a racket that is not going to be very powerful. Okay, that's a category of racket with most of the time some characteristics that make them uh, not very powerful. Then there are some uh, powerful rackets at the opposite. Okay, very control-oriented. We could say um, average, a bit control-oriented, something versatile, you know, in between. And you have powerful rackets. That's a way to categorize rackets, just thinking about power. I think it's, it's important. And also, uh, you can categorize uh, the rackets by the um, access to top spin you will have with the racket. Mm. Low access to top spin. Most of the time, we talk about spins. But when we talk about spins, in fact, we talk about top spin. Because concerning the slice, it's different. And usually when players talk about spin, they think about top spin, the access to top spin. Mm -hmm. So low access to top spin, average access to top spin, and very easy access to top spin. For me, that's the category that really comes uh, to my mind. And Jean-Pierre, when you talk about like the categorization, the second one of uh, low top spin versus high top spin, is it primarily because of the string pattern, or are there also other elements that play into that categorization of spin types? Concerning spins, yes, the spring pattern is very important. I think it's a uh, characteristic uh, that um, maybe players forget a little bit. I, I think players don't pay enough attention to the string pattern concerning the access to top spin and concerning uh, the power. Because uh, um, to talk about string pattern, you have a dense string pattern with uh, the narrowed, uh, narrowed string pattern. Uh, for, for instance, um, 18 by 20, 18 by 19. These are narrowed uh, string pattern with many strings on the frame, if you want. And um, this is going to uh, reduce the power, reduce a bit the comfort, and reduce the access to top spin, because strings are going to be less able to move. And you have um, something which is average, which is uh, 16 by 19. And then you have some open string pattern, 16 by and more open string pattern, but rather extreme if it's 16 by 16. Okay, so the more, uh, the more open the string pattern is, uh, the easier you will have the access to top spin. Okay, but it's not the only characteristic because you can have, uh, if you only 
watch the stream pattern, you can make mistake because you can have a record with a small head size. Mm. I think about if you if you if we choose something extreme, the Wilson Pro Staff 6085, you remember Pizza and Plus, Stefan Edberg, Jim Courier, and so on. Very difficult racket, heavy and small head size. If I remember well, it has a string pattern of 15 by 18. We need to be sure, but I think uh, it's uh, that string pattern. And <laughs> you won't, because of that string pattern, you won't have much power and you won't have a crazy access to top spin. Don't, uh, so along with the string pattern, you must give a look at the head size. Very important. So <clears throat> to be clear, if you want something average for the access to top spin, you take a racket with a head size of 100 square inch, 645 square centimeter, and a string pattern 16 by 19. This is very versatile, okay? The access to top spin is average with those specifications. And if you want more access to top spin, you stay on a 100 square inch and maybe a 16 by 18 string pattern. So the head size is average, so it's okay. It's, no, it's not going to bother you to be a problem for the access to top spin. And with a more open string pattern, you're going to increase the access to top spin. And if you want more access to top spin, you can also use a um, larger head size. Um, because a larger head size with the same string pattern, it's going to increase the access to top spin. I'm not very used to, to the size in uh, inches, so it's a bit difficult. But uh, if you take a head size with 660, with a 16 by 19 string pattern, you have many chances, chances to have better access to top spin than with a 645 square centimeter head size. Okay, so string pattern, head size, it's important. And also, I would say the shape of the, the, the beam width of the racket. Mm -hmm. I think about the Babola Pure Aero. If you look at the shape, because I don't know what you, if it's a pure hero you have in your hands. I have a bunch of different <laughs> Okay. I have one okay. is like an older, uh, older yeah. arrow. Yeah, pro drive. Yeah, and then I've got the, uh, the pure arrow VS. Yes, are... more control oriented, yes. Yeah, and how, how, with that, how about the 16 by 20 pattern? Like, yeah, what does that do perfect. versus 16 by 19? Is that a little more control plus spin? A little bit more control oriented, yes. Gotcha, gotcha. It's a bit something between 16 by 19 and 18 by 20, obviously. But concerning feelings, I would say it's closer to 16 by 19 mm. than 18 by 20. 18 by 20, really, you must pay attention to those string patterns that are really going to reduce the power of the racket. I see many players, they make a mistake choosing a 18 by 20 string pattern. Uh, so the most versatile is 16 by 19. And then uh, 16 by 20, you're going to have a bit more control than when 16 uh, by 19, maybe a bit less access to top spin. The difference is not huge, but there is a little difference, yes. So Jean-Pierre, if you're a, and I've struggled with this, if you're a player that hits with a lot of top spin, do yeah. you want a racket that gives you even more top spin or do you want to go to like an 1820 or a 1620? 
Uh, and then I guess conversely, if you don't hit with much topspin, but you want to hit with more, then I guess you would get, maybe you would get a more topspin oriented racket. But can you kind of guide us on if you hit with more topspin, should you get a more topspin oriented racket or a less oriented one? I sometimes have this question and uh, I think you must think about the game style you have. And if you conclude that uh, you have a topspin oriented game style, you must choose a racket that goes in this direction. <laughs> if not, you are going to create some problems you don't need. You need access. Your, your game is, it's, is to put topspin. You know, you know that a string pattern 18 by 20, it's not interesting to have a good access to topspin. So it would be strange to choose that string pattern if you want to play with topspin. Yeah, Look at that makes sense. Yeah. Topspin oriented game, pure error 16 by 19. He's not going to, I think he pays a lot of attention to his gear, to his rackets. And uh, if he chooses uh, this head size, this racket is a beam with uh, aerodynamic and 16 by 19 string pattern. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting to notice and to take into consideration his choice. So you must go, the racket must fit your game. And I appreciate it, John Pierre, because I remember when I was actually playtesting a bunch of different rackets. I got like seven different ones from Wilson and a bunch from Babolat and I think one or two head rackets. And I really like the Wilson Blade 18 yeah. by 20. Yeah. Because yeah. The con so the control was beautiful. Like it was really nice, like so nice at the net. And I had that versus the Pure Arrow VS that Babolat sent me. But then, you know, the problem was that in the end, I chose the Babolat Pure Aero VS because yeah. that one fit my game style because I hit with heavy top spin yeah. and you know it is a little bit easier to play with for me and so yeah. you know so I'm glad that I made the right choice you know looking at what you said um, because I I didn't want to take away you know my spin game because uh, I felt like I was hitting way flatter with with the um, Wilson Blade 1820. It was the, the, the latest version of the Wilson Blade. This was actually, I think, like three years ago or a little less. So it was maybe the previous version. Yeah. It was different because I played with the Wilson Blade 18 by 20. And in fact, I was surprised by the access to top speed I could get with this racket. In, uh, indeed, it's not huge. Okay. You're not going to make a crazy uh, access to top speed. But I was surprised and I really like uh, the Wilson Blade, but the previous version uh, because I had an nice mix between uh, power and control and, and access to top spin. Well, it was okay for me, but for someone who really needs an easy access to top spin, I understand it's not enough. Uh, but it was a bit um, head heavy. That's what I didn't like. And on the latest version of the Blade 98, especially the 16 by 19 and 18 by 20, it's really different for those who don't know. Uh, there is clearly less power really for me. Well, it depends on the player. For me, it's not enough, and there is clearly less power than with the previous version. The balance is better. I really like the balance, but I have no more power, so it's a problem. Mm. And I think it's a bit more difficult uh, also with the access to top spin. So I gave the advice to uh, all the players who were used to the previous Blade 98, 18 by 20. Uh, I told them, uh, I think you're going to have 
some close feelings if you switch to the new blade 98, but with a spring pattern 16 by 19. Because even with the 16 by 19, you have a very good control, and it's not easy to, to get some power with this racket. Uh, to come back to what you were saying about the Pure Euro VS and your game, I think the most important thing when you're looking for a new tennis racket is to try rackets. You said it, you, you tried many rackets, and that's a good idea. That's a good idea. And, well, sometimes um, I'm a bit surprised by um, players asking me some questions. They have tried some rackets, so they have a feelings concerning their test, but they need, like my opinion, to have a kind of confirmation mm -hmm. of their feelings. And I'm a bit surprised with that. I, I don't know. I think players sometimes don't trust their feelings enough. Mm -hmm. They want somebody else's opinion. They are looking at the specifications of the racket. But I would say, try the rackets and keep in mind that what's the most important is your feelings. How you feel with the racket? You want to put some top spin? Do you succeed putting the top spin you want with the racket? Yes, no. If it's no, even if the specifications lets you imagine that it should be possible, you don't care. At the, at the end of the day, on the tennis court, if you don't have the access to top spin you want, there is a problem. So trust your feelings, I would say, when you, when you try the rackets. Yeah, great advice, Jean-Pierre. And I do know that, you know, you can still, uh, I think there's, they still have these programs on sites like Tennis Express, Tennis Warehouse, where you pay like, I don't know, 15, 20 bucks, and then they'll send you like four or five rackets and you can try them. And so it's definitely yep. worth it too. I have a, a friend who just did that recently. So one thing with testing rackets, Jean-Pierre, is, you know, when, especially when you get them from, from other people, like they have different strings and tension. Yep. So how do we deal with that? I mean, I, I know that some people, they just, they don't want to take the time to change the strings. But I mean, is that something that's crucial for people to do is to like make sure that you know, the string tension and same strings are used in the different play tests because of the different feel? Yeah, that's a question I often have. Uh, I think it's a problem for some players. For me, most of the time, I really try many rackets. Uh, so most of the time, it's not a problem. So maybe because uh, I've always been used to try rackets, even when I was uh, 11 years old, I always liked to, to try rackets and everything. So I'm used to change uh, with any racket. So I would say to be unable to make the difference between the racket and the strings, I will need to have a, really a serious problem with the strings. I mean, it's going to be difficult for me, especially concerning the tension. If the strings are really loose, really low tension, something extreme, there is a problem. Uh, the racket, in fact, should be a, uh, how can I say, restrain. Mm -hmm. uh, well, very low tension, very high tension. I'm going to, to have a problem. But for me, uh, apart from that, with, a, with any string, it could be a monofilament, polyester, multifilament, with a correct tension, around 24 kilograms. I don't know how to translate that in another measurement. Okay, which is an average, uh, an average tension. It's okay for me. I'm able to make the difference between the power I can get. Is it from the racket? Is it from the strings? So I know I'm able to make the difference. 
So I don't know why, because maybe I'm used to, to try some rackets. Maybe because of, of my game style, I, I don't know. I don't play <laughs> very uh, with touch. Maybe I hit the ball. Maybe I don't need to have very precise feelings. Maybe I just hit the ball and you give me whatever you want, uh, the string, some, uh, some strings you can use for a guitar. Maybe I can play with them. I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> so maybe I'm not very difficult. I have no feelings, though, so I can play with anything. And maybe some players will play in finesse, you know, with uh, uh, doing a lot of drop, volley, drop, uh, drop shots. Uh-huh. Maybe they are going to feel the difference. They are used to a multi-filament. And if you give them a monofilament polyester, they are going to feel it's very rigid, very difficult. Anyway, anyway, what I can tell you, I never restrain a racket with my strings to test it. I take it as it arrives, and most of the time the tension is fine. And for me, it would be the, the biggest problem. So as long as the tension is fine, I can make an opinion concerning the power and the feelings with the racket. Cool. Yeah. No, that, it's good to know. I mean, it is it is comforting because, <laughs> you know, that is kind of the fear that, that we'll have to just restring, put the exact tension and exact same strings. But, um, you know, I think that in a lot of cases, as Jean-Pierre mentioned, we'll be able to tell, you know, the differences between the different frames, irrespective of, um, the strings, unless there's like a huge difference or some like crazy tension. What I notice is when you try some rackets, uh, you receive a racket with a multi, uh, no, with a monofilament. Most of the time, polyester. Mm-hmm. So there are not many differences. Not for me, there are not many big differences between polyesters. You you can feel there is something different, but uh, concerning the power. So it's going to be close, in my opinion. So if you try different rackets, and all the rackets with the polyester with the tension, uh, which is close, I think it's going to help you have a, a rather clear opinion concerning the rackets. Got it. Very cool. Very cool. Problem. But once again, if you have very precise feelings, if you are really used to specific strings and you know you only like this one, Maybe you should uh, restring test racket with your strings if really you want to be sure of your feelings. Yeah, or maybe you narrowed it down. Yeah, thanks, Jean-Pierre. Sorry if I interrupted you. Um, so we have a question in French, so I really do need your help. <laughs> but basically, I think it's a question about uh, weed rackets um, and not the other weed. So I don't know what, what it is. Uh, so the, the comment says, uh, how are you? Comment ça va? How are you? I hope you will talk about weed rackets. I don't know what a weed racket is. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's um. Yeah, I don't. We we might have to do some research and you know email us later. But um, weed racket is obviously it's a certain type of uh, different brand, and I I've heard of it, but I don't know much about it myself either. So I take it brand. that. What's that? It's a brand. Yeah, I think it's a brand of racket. Okay. Yeah, if somebody yeah. in the uh, chat can can let us know, uh, I give a look. Um, it seems to be a tennis brand with a big head size. For what I see, I don't know this brand. So to be uh, to answer quickly, I'm not going to be able to give any opinion concerning weed rackets because I discovered them. Yeah, yeah, no, no worries. I mean, you've done a lot of reviews on here. I've seen some great ones on like the uh, Prince O3, the Babylon Peer Drive VS and the E Zone and so forth, but um, we'll have to kind of uh, learn more about the weed rackets. 
But um, so we've got. Be, it seems to be special, huh? very big head size. Yeah. Well, maybe it's interesting to have some easy power, really easy power. It's yeah. not a powerful rocket. It's really easy power, very forgiving because of the head size. If you off-center the ball, it could be interesting in a general way when you have a, a, a large, a big head size. Yeah. I don't see, I don't see the weight, but uh, interesting for players who want forgiving rackets and easy power. Yeah. And uh, I don't know more about these rackets. Yeah, no worries. I know there's a lot of the ones that you will know about, I think. Um, have you tried the Wilson Tour, Jean-Pierre? Because uh, it's Suresh Babu says that he's been kind of not finding it so easy to play with. So I know Tour rackets in general are heavier. So uh, you have any other thoughts on um, on the Wilson Ultra Tour racket here? Uh, so I haven't tested the latest uh, Wilson Tour, any any version of this, uh, of this series. Uh, but I know the Ultra Tour because as you say, uh, when you have uh, the word Tour, the name of the racket, it's going to be a control-oriented racket most of the time. And uh, I'm, I'm going on... Uh, website to check the specifications but uh, i'm not surprised by the comment uh, saying that it's difficult to play with this racket yeah i mean one one thing is like i i think uh and you know this may not be the case at all or anything but you know sometimes if we see like players and they're playing with tour versions we still have to be kind of wary about what our actual game is and you know don't just go by what the pro player is using and like yeah. get excited about it. But you know, there's so uh, these days there's so many different versions of the, each racket. It's really, it's crazy, which is part of the reason why I have you on here, Jean-Pierre. Um, yes. but yeah, uh, there, yeah, there are many things to, to say. Um, something important is that, um, you must uh, be careful. You want, if you want to choose the same racket as your favorite player. That's uh, that's a mistake you can uh, you can make. You must uh, maybe a player is your favorite player, but you must think: Do I have the same game style as this player? And even if you have the same game style, it's a pro player with the power that goes along with that, the physical skills and so on. So um, it's still a bit dangerous to choose uh, the racket. Of your favorite players, you must uh, know the specifications of the racket and what it's going to imply. Mm -hmm. So a racket is going to be difficult. It's not so difficult. Um, well, if it's too heavy for you, so I say too heavy for you because uh, there is no heavy racket. A racket can be heavy for a player, but too light for another one. So every player must know um, by trying rackets what is the best weight for them, okay? So a racket is really too heavy for you, it's gonna be a problem. And uh, then you must be uh, careful to the head size. When the racket has a small head size, a small head size, it's something under 100 square inch, 645 square centimeters, it begins to be a bit small. 98, it's not very small, okay? But it's a bit control oriented. You must be careful, you must know what you do. So you must know it's a bit control oriented when you choose 98, something around uh, 632 square centimeters. And when you are under 98, something like 95, 90, 
And below, you must be careful. It's going to be clearly control-oriented, whatever the string pattern. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the head size, you just give a look at the head size of the Wilson Ultra Tour. You know it's going to be control-oriented. And you know you must be careful. You must be able to produce some power with your shorts because if not, you, you might uh, lack some power. So pay attention to the head size. 98 and below, be careful. Pay attention to the string pattern, 18 by 20, 18 by 19. It's going to be control-oriented, even more on a small head size. 16 by 19, it's okay, it's a versatile average. Um, pay attention to the beam width. The smaller it is, the less power you will have. And everything, uh, a racket that accumulates all these characteristics, small head size, dense string pattern, uh, thin beam width, uh, everything is going to be very control-oriented and very difficult. So when you know the specifications and the impact they will have on your feelings, it can help you avoid uh, choosing the bad racket for you. For sure. Thanks for that, John Pierre. And so we have a couple of questions about flex. So the first one is about from Hai Nguyen. So, hey, what's up? Thanks for the question. Um, so he says to talk about flex and swing weight. Okay, flex, um, there are many things to say. Uh, fundamentals concerning uh, flex and uh, stiffness. So the more a racket is stiff, most of the time, the more it's going to provide power. But you, you must not take uh, only, uh, you must not only watch this characteristic when you, when you choose a tennis racket. You must watch all the characteristics of the racket. And when you give a look at the stiffness, okay, it can give you an idea of what, what you can expect uh, with your feelings, but uh, don't just look at the stiffness. Well, high stiffness, more control, Less comfort, mm. low stiffness. What did I say? More uh, high stiffness, more power. That's what I said. Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah, <laughs> high stiffness, more power. Low stiffness, less power, more control. There is an exception with the Wilson Clash. Hmm. I use. Uh, I must about that. because it's very special. On the Wilson Clash, uh, there is a very low stiffness. But you have a decent power with the Wilson Clash. It's not extremely powerful, but you have a decent power with the, with the stiffness of the racket. So the Wilson Clash is a bit of an exception with the, its lower stiffness. Um, concerning stiffness, so uh, the higher it is, maybe the less comfort you will have. But it also depends on other characteristics of, of the racket. Because I remember I tried the Wilson uh, Ultra, but uh, the 100 square inch version. Mm -hmm. It has a high stiffness. I think it's 74, which is high as a stiffness. And for me, the racket was comfortable. Mm -hmm. So you must take some other things into consideration apart of uh, stiffness. Okay. Most of the time, we say that high stiffness, it reduces the comfort, and low stiffness, it can increase the comfort. I don't know if it answers or the question concerning flex or if you want me to... Yeah, no, that's perfect. How about swing weight? Swing weight. So it's a um, characteristic. Well, I didn't pay attention to the swing weight when I was playing tennis. I don't know if it's interesting for players to know that 
when I was playing tennis, because I don't play much lately uh, compared to what I did before when I was younger. So when I played at my best level, which was an incredible, it was my best level, I didn't care. Uh, I didn't know uh, anything about the specification of the racket. The stiffness, the swing weight, the balance, the weight. I didn't know. I just picked some rackets. I played with the racket. Okay, this one it seems to be okay. Okay, I take the racket. I was. I didn't know anything about the specifications of the racket and the impact it could have on my feelings. On the good side, um, uh, that was something good in the sense that I wasn't expecting too much from my racket to improve my game. Mm. I talk about it because for some players, but not uh, every player, of course, maybe some players pay too much attention. They expect too much from the racket Mm. to increase their level. So I was at the opposite. I could have played with any racket. I didn't care. For me, it was my job to, and only my job, if I wanted to increase my level. And it wasn't, uh, the racket was not a problem. But at the same time, it, it was a bit extreme as a position because now when I think about it, uh, I think, well, I shouldn't have played with that racket. It was too difficult and, for a long time, I played, for those who know this racket, with the Head Prestige 600. Very small head size, Head Prestige, very control-oriented. And I think it was a mistake for me to play with this racket. Well, so I didn't know. So we were talking about swing weight. The swing weight, um, there are different weights for the racket. There is a static weight. When you take a racket in your hand, uh, you take it, okay, with the handle, like this, mm -hmm. and you take it in front of you. In fact, you don't have an idea of the static weight of the racket. Well, to be clear, the swing weight, it's, um, you take the racket by its handle, and you move it a bit like you're eating the ball. It's the sensation you have when you take a racket in a shop, for example, and you make some swings in the shop. And you say, oh, this racket, it seems to be uh, heavy. In fact, you talk about the swing weight when you're doing that. When you want just to have an idea of the static weight of the racket, just the weight, you must hold the racket. But the point by which you hold the racket must be aligned with the balance point. Okay, if I just want to feel the weight of the racket, and if this racket as a balance point here, okay, I must hold the racket by this point. And like this, I have just an idea of the weight of the racket. I can also take the racket like this, okay? So the point by which I hold the racket is, of course, aligned with the balance point. And like this, I have an idea just of the weight of the racket. But as long as I take the racket like this and the head of the racket is in front of me, I can have the feeling that the racket pulls my wrist uh, a bit down. And this is the idea, a bit of the swing weight, okay? So what can we say about the swing weight? The higher, so the, when you watch uh, the values of the swing weight on the website and so on, the higher the swing, the swing weight, the lower the maneuverability of the racket. It's important. When you increase the swing weight, you decrease the maneuverability of the racket. But if you can 
maneuver the racket, if you can swing the racket, it can help you gain some power if you increase the swing weight of the racket. Mm. Got it. Got it. So the higher the swing weight, maybe it's going to help you gain some power, but it could reduce the maneuverability of the racket and conversely with a low swing weight. Got it. Got it. Thanks, John Pierre. So we have a precise question concerning the swing weights. I don't know if I have answered the, the question. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. No, I think you did uh, give a good description. It's kind of a general question, but we have one from Alok. Uh, thanks for the question. So for existing elbow shoulder issues, is there a max flex value that one should be looking for? Once again, uh, the stiffness is not the only characteristic you must pay attention to when you, have a, when you want to protect your arm. Mm -hmm. Concerning only stiffness, well, uh, I have a shoulder injury very serious uh, shoulder injury that, uh, in fact, uh, requires surgery. So I pay attention as much as I can, of course, to my gear and to my racket. And to be honest, I don't know the exact impact of the stiffness on the injuries. I know that uh, we often hear that it reduces the comfort. So I don't know, but to protect, to not take risk, for me, I'm going to choose a racket that, uh, with a stiffness between 65. It could be lower than 65. In fact, it's the case of the Wilson Clash. But except the Wilson Clash, something average, you can say between 64, 65, and 69, 70. Mm. I would be careful with the stiffness uh, above 70. Okay? But stiffness is not the only characteristic. I would, uh, I would just try the racket and see how it feels. I wouldn't uh, choose a racket with a small head size. I would limit myself to 100 square inch because mm. it helps for the comfort to have an average head size, 645 square centimeters. So I wouldn't go for a 98 mm. because it's going to help me uh, for the comfort. I would pay attention to the string pattern. In the past, uh, I have played with the blade 18 by 20, I wouldn't make the same choice now that I have an, an injury. I want something that provides some easy power. I don't want uh, to be forced to produce, to produce big efforts, you know, to, to find some power. I want the racket to help me get some power. Mm -hmm. So even I prefer to, I prefer making some mistakes, sending the ball too far. I prefer lacking a bit of control than having to, um, to produce big efforts to, to, grab, to, to get some power, you see? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, great stuff you there. So. Strings also. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, you want to protect your arm, especially for tennis elbow. Tennis elbow, it's complicated because there are many uh, factors. Uh, to, to have a tennis elbow. So if you really want to protect your arm, you, it's better to use a multi-filament. Mm -hmm. 
um, with a tension which is average around 24 uh, kilograms. And if you really want to use poly strings, be careful to the tension. Don't use a high tension. There are different polys. There are some that are more or less rigid. So choose a poly that is not too rigid. And uh, polyester strings, they are sometimes when I play with polyester, they never break. They never break. 20 hours uh, of tennis, the strings don't break. You must restring your racket. 20 hours, it's, um, it's a lot of, uh, for, the, for the strings. So I will give the advice to restring your racket if you use a polyester strings. Don't wait until you break the strings. You must yeah. feel you lose power, the tension goes too low, you lose your feelings, and um, when you have these feelings, you break the strings and you restring. Yeah, 100% there. I totally agree with that. So we have, um, I'm not sure if you tried this racket, Jean-Pierre, but Giovanni asks, what do you think of the Technifiber 305 XTC and what category would you put in it as far as power control and so on? And so I was looking at your reviews and I know you've tested some Technifiber rackets, so I don't know if you've done tested this one. So do you have any thoughts on this racket if you've tested it? I think I have tested this racket. Uh, so I, I see it's T5 305. Go ahead. Sorry. Yes, uh, because there, there is a new category of racket, uh, of technical racket, and I have a doubt. Uh, I would just need to, to give a look to be sure it's the one I have, uh, I have tested. I'm not sure. Yeah, no worries. I just yeah. give a look very fast. Um, and um, there is also a string pattern with which I have a doubt. So, uh, no, it's okay. Uh, because the new, how can I say, the new series uh, for Technifier, I, th I think it's TF40. TF40, I think it's something new for Technifier brackets. Mm -hmm. And so I haven't tested the TF40. There are two rackets, TF40. I don't know, but they seem uh, to be clearly control-oriented. So to come back to the, uh, it's the t 305. XTC, I think I have tested this racket and it's control oriented. I would say pay attention to this racket. Okay, I am on this racket. So 630 squared centimeters, a bit smaller size. So it's a bit control oriented. The weight is rather average, but it depends on your level. For some players, it can be too heavy. Stiffness 65, it's average, but it can reduce a bit the power. Beam widths around 22.5 millimeters, which is rather thin. It's going to reduce the power of the racket. Mm. And the string pattern is 18 by 20. On a head size, which is a bit small, it's going to make the racket really control-oriented. So be careful, be careful with this racket. Mm -hmm. Interesting, if you want some control, you have, you're able to, to put some power, you have an aggressive game, not too much top spin. And really, if you're looking for some control, it, it can be interesting. If not, you can lack, uh, you can lack power with this record. Got it. Thanks, Jean-Pierre. So we have a question, another uh, uh, racket question, obviously. Uh, this one is from uh, my friend Andrew. So is the head speed MP a racket that an advanced player can play with? If not, what recommendations do you have to customize it for an advanced level player? I would say, why not? Because uh, choosing a tennis racket is very special. It really depends on the player. And when you see which racket use 
different players sometimes you can be surprised by the level of the player and by the weight of his racket so i think about some good player it's a bit difficult for me to talk about rankings because i'm used uh, i know of course uh, very well the french rankings but it's different from the young the rankings in the usa so we need to know what, what we are talking about when we talk about an advanced player yeah, I mean, for our our um, scale is like I guess the highest is seven point oh. So like maybe a college player is probably like five oh five five. I mean, a high level college player is probably a six oh. But you know, the normal USTA league players are like between three five to four five, um, usually some three O's and some five O's. Five O, you would say it's an advanced player. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, so for me, no problem uh, with the head speed MP for this level. Mm -hmm. No problem. I come back. Okay. Uh, in fact, uh, speed MP, the weight is 300 grams. And 300 grams, in my opinion, many players can use this weight, even some sporty beginners. You, you must be careful. If you're a beginner, don't go without testing on a racket that weighs 300 grams. But I know young, sporty players it's not impossible to play with 300 grams. At the same time, intermediate players, they can play with the speed MP with 300 grams. And advanced players, I would say not very, very good players. It seems to be, uh, for me, it's a bit, it seems to me a, a bit light if you're a very, very good player. For me, it's a bit strange. So for advanced players, yeah, yes, why not? The problem is... It depends on your feelings. For some players, you're going to you're, you're gonna have too much power with the speed MP. For uh, among the head rackets, the speed is something average in terms of power. Not extremely powerful, not extremely control oriented. It's something average, so it really depends on your game style. And um, it can be interesting for an advanced player, I would say yes, but try the racket. If not, uh, how to customize it? It depends. If it's too light for you, uh, you could add some uh, some lead tape mm. on the racket. Where would you put it? <laughs> it depends once again on your things. It depends. It's really uh, personal. If you put some weight at the balance point, balance point most of the time, it's uh, somewhere uh, here in the throat of the racket. That's right, yeah. So if you put some weight around the balance point, you're going to add some weight, uh, some weight at the racket, but at the same time, you are not going to lose too much maneuverability. You are going to increase a bit the swing weight of the racket, but it's okay if you add some weight at the balance point. If you add some weight here at uh, 3 o'clock and 9 o'clock, mm -hmm. you are going to increase the swing weight even more. You are going to increase... Uh, the power, the stability of the racket. When you want to increase the stability of the racket, you must add lead, lead tape at the height of the contact zone. So most of the time, we had lead tape at the height of the contact zone. And be careful if you have some lead tape really at the tip of the racket, because this is really going to increase the swing weight of the racket, and we are, you are going to decrease the maneuverability of the racket. So I would say in the throat of the racket, if you want to keep a good maneuverability, or here at uh, three o'clock and nine o'clock. Got it. Perfect. Thank you. Then for that. How it, I don't know. It really, it really depends. You must start with maybe. Uh, the thing is, when you had some weight, 
you have to really balance the racket very well. So if you add some, um, some lead tape, you must add some lead tape here, here, and here, and here. You're not going to add some lead tape only on this side and on this side. On this side. I don't know if you see what I mean. There are four places uh, if you want to, to add some lead tape where well, there are the swings of, on the, of the racket. Well, to be clear, here, here, and the same on the other side, here and here. So there is a really good balance of the racket. And if, it, if it's in the throat of the racket, well, you can just add it here, well, here in the middle of the throat, so it's going to be balanced. Gotcha. Awesome. Thanks for that. Uh, we've got a bunch more questions. So we did touch upon this some and uh, with, with Alok, and he has a two-parter kind of. So what difference does beam thickness make? And we talked about how, you know, the thinner, more control, thicker, uh, more power. And then he has a specific uh, measurement. So I don't know how much, if you have any additional comments, like, because he has kind of like 23 versus 26, or 23, 26, 23 versus 24 and a half, 24 and a half, 24 and a half. Do you have any other thoughts on that? I don't know. If, if the question is, what, is uh, what does each value uh, mean? The first value, I don't know. So depending on the racket, you don't have the same beam width all along the frame. Mm -hmm. For this Wilson Clash, the beam width is the same, if I remember well. All along the frame. I'm not sure, but uh, if not, it's really all, almost the same. Okay. And on some other rackets, sometimes at the tip of the racket, there is a beam width. At the height of the contact zone, most of the time, you have something which is thick, thicker. And maybe it's different when you go on this part of the racket. Mm. But the beam width sometimes is not always the same. So the first value that you have, for instance, 23, is the beam width at the tip of the racket, 26. The beam width at the height of the contact zone, and 23, uh, the beam width uh, here at the, at the front of the rack. Okay, and so 24.5 all the time, it means it's uh, 24.5 all along the, the frame. And if we want to compare these two rackets, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We would need to see some other characteristics. I would say it's rather close. It's interesting to look at beam widths. Uh, at the height of the contact zone, because it's going to give an idea of the power of the racket. The beam width, if the beam width is rather uh, thin at the height of the contact zone, you can expect some easy power. And if the beam width is rather uh, thin at the height of the contact zone, maybe there will be less power. But it's important to give a look at the other characteristics at the same time. For sure. Thanks for that. And so we have another one, uh, specific racket. Well, actually not even a question, but he says he likes the Babolat Max Drive 110. Have you tried that? That sounds like, a, you know, obviously a big head size and maybe uh, helps you with ba your baseline game, perhaps. <laughs> Oversized racket. I never, well, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a long time since I haven't tested an oversized racket. Yeah. Long ago, when I was a young player, I wanted to play with the same racket as Andre Agassi, so I chose the, the Prince Graphite, which was an oversized. I don't know if Michael Chang had the same racket. 
it was a bad idea because I, I bought the racket without testing it, just because I was a fan of Andre Agassi and I wanted his racket. It's a mistake. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> so with an oversize, you can expect more power, more forgiveness. If you off center the ball, it's going to be more forgiving, better access to your spin. Most of the time, it's interesting to have some easy power, so maybe that's why you like this racket. A big head size, it reduces the maneuverability of the racket. Mm -hmm. So uh, with a small head size, you have a very good maneuverability. When I played with the Prestige 600, I had a very good maneuverability, but it was difficult to produce some power. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's a compromise you need to make between the characteristics of the, of the, of the racket. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, we, we, Don had a, uh, talked about uh, or mentioned lead tape in his question, which we, we talked about. So I think we're good with that, Don. Uh, any specific questions, let me know. And then Lisa asks, oh, it's a cool picture here. Uh, how about rackets for juniors age 12 to 14 hardcourt players? So that's a pretty specific subgroup there. So, I mean, any thoughts as to what direction uh, they might want to go for, for this? Uh, ju these junior yeah. players on hard courts? Um, 12 years old, most of the time, it's the age when we begin to think if we shouldn't switch to an adult tennis racket uh, concerning the length of the racket. We haven't talked about the length mm. of the racket. For children, well, most of the time, for an adult tennis racket, uh, it's um, 27 inches long, if I don't make a mistake, because I never talk in, in, in inches, in centimeters, in a, it's 68.5 centimeters, and I'm almost sure that, that it is 27 uh, inches. So for children, racket uh, lengths are smaller. You, are you have different lengths, depending on the level of the, the kid and also on its size which of course is very important. And most of the time, 12 years old, we can think about switching to, I would say, a 27 inch uh, tennis racket. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the size of the kid. Most of the time, their size is around uh, 150 centimeters. So it's interesting also to take into consideration the level of the kid, if he has a good level, I would say he, he can try to switch to an adult tennis racket, but which is going to be light, around 250, 255 grams in strength. Okay, you must be uh, careful to the weight of the racket. And if he's rather small, 12 years old, rather small, not a very good level, maybe beginners, why not? He, he, he could uh, play one more year with a 26 inch long tennis racket just to feel comfortable to have a good maneuverability at the, the age where we can uh, we can think about that and then 13 14 i think we can play with an adult racket which is like around uh, 650 660 65 grams unstrung got it very good yeah so it obviously deals uh, some precise uh -huh. models in my head but um it depends on the level of the player, yeah. uh, but most of the time I would recommend something that is not too extreme. So an average head size around 645, uh, 100 square inch 
an average string pattern, 16 by 19. So you don't take risk when you choose a racket like this. And if really the kid is really good, he has some power in his shot, maybe he can consider a racket with a smaller size around 98 squared in. Gotcha. Cool. So we've but, got a, a, a question about rackets um, from Alok. So do rackets lose life over time, like after two to four years playing three to four times per week? Yes, good question. And uh, not easy to answer. So um, what's interesting is, is to have in mind what makes a racket lose its, its qualities. So when you have a racket and you string the racket, it's very hard for the racket. You, when you, I know because I string rackets. And when you string rackets, you see the frame. It, it really it, it deforms the racket. So it's hard for the racket to be uh, to, when you string a racket. So the more you restring a racket, the more it loses its qualities. You, so you must take into consideration how, many, how often you restring a racket. But it's going to be very difficult for me to tell you uh, once you have restrung uh, 20 times a racket, it's completely dead. It's impossible for me to, to give such a precise answer. But take into, uh, well, you must know it's important. Also, um, how hard you hit the ball. If you play without too much power, it's going to be nice for the racket. But it's you, if you put a lot of power in, uh, in your shots, it's going to be harder for the racket. So you must take this into, into consideration. I think for an average player, four years, five years, it, um, it's a long time. You can think about changing the racket after five years. But for some players, when I played a lot, I had to change my racket every year because I, I restrung all the time. I used to bring to break strings a lot. So, and I played a lot. So when you play, sometimes the racket, it touches the ground on low balls and you, you I don't know how to say, you, you scratch the racket, you lose some graphite and so on. So after one year, for me, the racket it was not dead, but almost. So it depends. I, I would say four or five years, maybe it's the time to, to change the racket. Got it. Got it. So, um, so there's a question here. I put up a lot of comments that you all made, which are great. I think we, correct me if I'm wrong, if we covered these, but, um, <clears throat> Sud asks, uh, could you explain what is balance and beam and racket specifications and how that influences your game? Okay. Balance. When you take a racket like this, for example, you, I'm looking for the balance point of the racket. I want the racket to be in balance on my finger. Yeah. And it's almost how the balance is measured. Well, of course, it's a bit more precise with uh, some uh, match instruments, but it's a bit like this. I'm looking for the balance point. Okay, it's almost there. So I have found the balance point. Then I measure the distance between uh, the handle and the balance point, this distance. Most of the time, something average it's, is uh, 32 centimeters, okay? 22 centimeters, it's rather neutral. And some rackets will have more weight at the, at the tip of the racket. So we are going to say they are more head heavy, okay? And some rackets have their weight more distributed 
in the handle of the racket. So we are going to say that there are more headlights. So this is going to, so we don't have the same measurements, of course, in France, and I know in the United States. So in the United States, I think you talk more about um, headlights, head heavy, two points, headlights, three points, headlights, and so on. And in France, we just talked about centimeters, where is located the, ball, the balance points in centimeters from the bottom of the handle. The more the balance point is at the tip of the racket, the more it can help you have some power, but at the same time, it's going to reduce the maneuverability of the racket. And the more the racket is balanced towards the handle of the racket, the more you will have maneuverability, but maybe it's going to be a bit more difficult to get some power from the racket. And also you are going to decrease the stability of the racket. It's important also. Anyway, the, the heavier the racket is, the more headlight it's going to be. More, most of the racket is like this. Heavy racket, headlight racket. And the lighter the racket is, the more weight you will have at the tip of the racket. Because if you have a light racket, and if in addition there is no weight at the tip of the racket, it's going to be really difficult to have some power, to have some stability. Got it. Got it. Very cool. Thanks for that. Uh, so Brad asks, what is the best racket for older players with elbow issues? So I would say a racket that is going to provide some easy power. I would say at least a head size, 100 square inch or even more. Look for an oversize. It would be even easier. Oversize, you are going to, it's going to be easier for the power. It's going to be more forgiving if you off-center the ball. So the head size, definitely, it's important. Take into consideration the stiffness of the racket. Like I said before, search for something maybe between 65, 70, something around that. Um, string pattern, which is not too narrowed. Uh, 16 by 19, it would be OK. The beam weights, if you choose uh, an oversized racket, but with a very thin Beam width, maybe it's not the, be the best choice. An average beam width, I would say it's around 23, 24 millimeters. So at least uh, this value, and you can choose even more if you want some more easy power. So pay attention to that. I would, uh, I would think about the, these characteristics. Yeah, because there are quite a few to choose from still um, with those parameters. And once again, pay attention to the strings also. Multi-filament is going to be more comfortable than uh, polyester strings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So we have a question from TTLAQUI, and I, uh, we only have a few minutes left. We'll see how long we can go, but uh, <laughs> uh, or if Jean-Pierre has to leave as well. But um, he asks, uh, or he or she asks, does a low-balanced racket say 305 millimeters partially compensate its heavy weight 320 grams yes uh very interesting question uh i didn't talk about that so uh, what's interesting is that you can have um, a racket which is rather heavy which is the case with uh, 300 gram and strength but if it's headlight you can have the feeling that finally it's not that heavy and you can have a racket that is lighter, but if it's more head heavy, 
you can have the feeling that it's heavier. So that's important. Yes, there is a limit, of course. But you can have the feeling that um, a heavy racket is not that heavy if it's headlight. Got it. Got it. Very cool. So Alok asks, what are a few examples of some really good soft polys? Yes, not easy for me because I know strings uh, less well than rackets. Um, I give a look at uh, at a page, but um, they have some soft versions, like they have Tourbite Soft and uh, Luxon ALU Power Soft. But I don't know; I haven't tested those myself. The thing is that there are many, many. <laughs> Many strings, so it's very difficult to to test all the strings. What um, I haven't tested uh, so many strings, so it's going to be uh, difficult for me. But maybe the Wilson Revolve, I played with this string, and it it was um, it was comfortable. I played also with the Head Sonic. For me, it was fine. Mm-hmm. And head length. Also, maybe the Babolat RPM team. I tested this string when I tested the Babolat Pure Aero Decima, mm. which was a Pure Aero, but just a special version for Roland Garros. Uh, maybe number 10 for Rafael Nadal, but in fact, it was just a Babolat Pure Aero. And the Babolat RPM team, I think it's a bit more comfortable than just the RPM. Nice. Um, maybe, yes, yeah, the Luxidon element. I had this string. Uh, it was the first string I had when I chose the Wilson Clash, and I really liked uh, this string. I like the thing. So Luxidon element, I think it's interesting. Maybe Solinco Turbite Soft. Mm-hmm. Somebody mentioned Isospeed, Richard yeah. McMichael. Isospeed uh, never tested. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the Vocal Cyclone also. Yeah, I play with Vocal Cyclone Tour, and the Tour version is definitely a little more comfortable than the regular version, uh, for sure, a little softer there. Michael asks, which rackets, so he wants to know kind of maybe some specific brands and models, which ones of these are, are best, uh, are, are more most arm-friendly? Well, I don't know if we can say that a brand produces a more arm-friendly racket than others. We can... Maybe it's the occasion to talk about Prokenex because oftentimes players talk about Prokenex uh, when they are looking for an arm-friendly racket. Well, I talk a lot with players, and um, oftentimes some players told me that they had some ham problems like tennis elbow, and they switched to Prokenex, and it was better, but not all the time. With Prokenex, there is something very special, which is the... um, the kinetic system, some uh, how to say some little particles that are inside the frame. When you move the the racket like this, you can hear uh, a little sound. So there is something moving <laughs> into the racket, and it is supposed to increase the, the comfort of the racket. Well, you can try Prokenex and you see what it's like. I'm not going to say yes, Prokenex is fantastic. It's the most comfortable racket, but it's interesting. But I think what's the most interesting is to choose uh, wisely the specifications of your racket. Head size, string pattern, stiffness, beam widths, 
if you choose wisely all the weight, all these characteristics balance also, whatever the brand, you can find something uh, interesting. Uh, it's difficult to, to, to mention some specific models. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, 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 to talk about a special brand and, and not to talk about another. And, but I think the, it's better to think about specifications, how to choose well the specifications of the racket. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, like all these brands, most of them are making a, a range of rackets that, you know, higher stiffness, lower stiffness, and so forth. Many, all, all the brands, for me, the quality is okay. We, we can say that this brand, uh, there is a poor quality for this racket. And uh, whereas uh, this other brand, the quality is higher. Maybe in the past, it was possible with some rackets. But now, for the, the, the main brands, I think... The quality is here. You will have some different feelings in, um, depending on the brands. And you will prefer maybe the feelings of head or maybe the feeling with Wilson or your next. I don't know. The feelings are just different, but we don't talk about the quality. And um, each brand can provide a comfortable racket. Prince racket are very comfortable. Before playing with Wilson, I had a Prince racket. It was very comfortable. I stopped playing with the Prince 2 or 100p because it was not power, uh, powerful enough for me. But concerning comfort, it was great. Now I use the Wilson Clash. I like the comfort of the Wilson Clash. Sometimes I switch, I use this racket, which is a Yonex, Yonex V-Core 100. Mm. Sometimes I play with this racket. It's very comfortable also. Mm. Sometimes, well, I don't play with this one anymore, anymore, but it's a ProConnect. In fact, it's now it's too heavy for me because it's uh, 315 grams unsprung. So I really like the comfort of this racket, but it's too heavy for me. Though. So the problem is the weight, but it's not the comfort. So also I've played with Babola rackets. Now they have increased uh, the shock absorption. So you can also find a some comfortable rackets with Babola arm, with head also, but you have to choose the good racket. Head prestige, it's going to be difficult, but head speed, head extreme, head instinct, you can have some comfortable racket. Technifibre are the same. You can find in any brands, but choose widely the specifications of your racket. 100%. So I think we're going to, as far as the, the questions that were uh, submitted, which I really appreciate. Again, it was a lot of fun answering these questions or having Jean-Pierre answer them mostly. Mary's question, a good one. So you mentioned, I think at the top of the the episode, uh, that when you speak of control, you don't uh, mean precision. So can you define what you mean when you speak of control versus uh, precision? Well, for me, but it's important to, because most of the time in forums and websites and so on, sometimes we there are some discussions, but we are not sure the different people talk about the same thing. Most of the time, what I see on the website, when you, we talk about control, and we see that also, the way tennis rackets are categorized, for me, control is uh, the opposite of power. Control-oriented racket is the racket that is not going to provide much power. Okay? So, big control uh low power okay and much power low control that's how 
I understand control. I mean, when I lack control with a racket, I hit the ball and the ball goes too far. I always make mistakes sending the ball too far behind the baseline. Okay, I lack control. The racket is too powerful for me. I don't know. I send the ball anywhere, especially too far behind the baseline. And when I talk about precision, in fact, I, uh, it's not fun in my reviews, but I say that I lack precision with the racket. I talk most of the time about control. And precision for me, it, it's, more, it's uh, more lateral precision. When you have a very, very flexible racket, you can, it can reduce the precision because the more flexible the racket is, the more it's going, the frame is going to bend. So there's going to be a deformation of the frame when you hit the ball. And this deformation is, go, is going to uh, bring a lack of precision in your shot. And if you have a very rigid racket, the frame does not bend. So there is no deformation when you hit the ball. So in this way, you don't lose precision because the frame does not bend when you hit the ball. So when the frame bends, you can have a, a decrease in the precision, but more uh, lateral uh, precision, I think about that. But really, for me, it's difficult to feel that when you play with a racket. Because when you're used to play with a um, flexible racket, most of the time, uh, very flexible rackets, it's a bit difficult to play with them. So it's more for good players, very flexible racket. Good players, most of the time, they have a good technique, precise and fast swings. So they adapt themselves and they don't feel they lose precision because of that deformation of the frame, because of the flexibility of the frame. I don't know if it's clear. No, I think that's very clear. Um, okay. Appreciate the explanation there, uh, Jean-Pierre. So yeah, I mean, some great stuff. A uh, lot of a lot of uh, really good questions. Um, I want to just educate people uh, to make sure that they know um, where they can check out your content. So uh, what is the best place to to follow you and then watch uh, your videos and, and other content? So it depends on your language. It depends if you, if you speak French. <laughs> if you speak French, you can go on my website, which is teamtennis.fr. There is a dash between team tennis but if you go on google you and you type team tennis uh, you will find the website teamtennis.fr then uh, there is my youtube channels uh, youtube channel same thing on youtube teamtennis.fr you will find i think most of the time my french channel where uh, there are uh, there is most of my racket reviews and there is also my english channel teamtennis.fr english I added English in the name of the channel. And so you have uh, the latest uh, reviews I have made at the beginning. I only made reviews in French, but now I try to make the reviews in French and in English. Awesome. Awesome. That's great to hear. Um, and thank you for providing that. And we'll have these, uh, these links, all the links to your website and YouTube channels you um, in the show notes. What was that, Jean-Pierre? I will give you the links for. Perfect, perfect. For I actually wrote them down. I think I, I should have most of them already. But so just to cap off, uh, and again, great session. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, we've got nice comments here. Thanks both for this live chat. Very informative. Thank you. 
to sum up, you know, briefly the approach to finding the right racket for your game, uh, what what advice would you give us? I would say if it's if the feelings you want with your racket are very important for you, you don't want to make a mistake, you must try some rackets. Okay, even if you understand very well the impact of racket specifications on your feelings, which is my case, I know specifications of the rackets, I know I can make mistakes if I only watch tennis um, racket specifications. And I need to really try the racket on the court to see if it really fits my game. So it's interesting for you to know the specification of the racket because there are many rackets on the market. And you are not going, if you want to try some rackets, there is a huge choice and you are going to be completely lost. So use, learn about the specification of the tennis rackets. What, uh, what can I expect from a big head size, average, small head size, string pattern, stiffness, and so on. Everything we talked about. That is going to help you filter among all the rackets you will find. And then you pick up some rackets and you really try them on a course to see, to see your feelings. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the name of the game. You know, ultimately, you, you don't want to be in the position where you just look online and just click the buy button. You definitely want to. I know many players. <laughs> I know many players do that. Uh, it's risky. <laughs> it's yeah. Risky. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, there is a big part of luck if you do that. If you're a beginner, uh, I would say that there is no problem because you have no feelings. You start. You are going to build your feelings. So if you're a beginner, if you're a beginner, well, pay attention to the weight, its size, take something average. It's okay. But if you already have some feelings and you know that with some rackets, you are not going to be able to play with them because you don't like at all, you, you need to try the rackets. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's the name of the game. So uh, I just want to thank everybody. I'm just typing in the chat. So sorry for that quick pause. But um, yeah, thank you to everybody for the kind, you know, messages. And uh, it was really a lot of fun. And, and thank you, Jean-Pierre, for spending, uh, you know, all your time today to uh, to give us this advice on rackets. And for those of you listening live, this pod, this uh, episode will be published next week, uh, uh, next Wednesday morning, uh, you know, audio format on the podcast. And um, yeah, it was a pleasure. So thank you, Jean-Pierre. And, uh, you know, everybody have a great day and uh, be well. Thank you, Marban. I hope it will help players to, to choose their racket. And anyway, it was uh, very nice for me to be with you in this live. Take care, everyone. And have fun playing tennis. Have fun. <laughs> yes, that's very number important. one. <laughs> number one. So, all right. Thanks, everybody. Take, Take care. care. Bye-bye. All right. I really hope you enjoyed my interview with Coach Jean-Pierre Junier. I really appreciate him coming onto the show and dropping his knowledge about tennis rackets and how we should best approach choosing them to help maximize our games. And I'd also really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast, and you can do that uh, in your podcast app of your choice that you use to listen to the show, particularly Apple Podcasts, uh, it's a great place to leave a review. 
uh, and also Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. I, I find that Apple Podcasts seems to hold the most weight and number of people listening. Uh, I guess that speaks to Apple's dominance in the uh, mobile phone game and uh, electronics and so forth, computers. But in any case, um, I guess I have that kind of on my mind because I recently dropped my phone while on a run. So uh, the screen's kind of messed up right now. I actually had a screen protector on for a year and a half and then got a little frustrated with them cracking more often than not and took it off for a bit and the actual screen cracked. So a little aside from the normal podcast route, but I'm sure some of you feel my pain. Uh, hopefully not many of you. So use a screen protector. Find a good one. Um, especially when you're using your phone to record videos and things like that on court or train, you know, it's a, it's a good idea. And my phone just uh, rang as I am speaking about it. So I wonder if you might have heard that ring and we'll, we'll keep that in. Um, but yeah, uh, I also will have all the links mentioned during the show on the show notes page. And this particular episode uh, will house the show notes at tennisfiles.com slash 162 for episode 162. And you can do that with any episode you like, except future ones because they're not up yet, of course. <laughs> but um, let's say you wanted to check out the links and, and uh, show notes for episode 158, you go to tennisfiles.com slash 158. And I also would like to leave a quote uh, for you as I do at the end of each show. And this one is by Unknown, at least as far as I can find. But um, the quote is, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, bring others along. And that's a great one that I just actually heard as well um, during my meditation session this morning. And I think it's a really great one. And obviously, when you look at all the great tennis players, they have great teams around them. I mean, even great amateur players and champions. They have great coaches and mentors and people around them and practice partners. So it's a, definitely a great approach to, uh, you know, if you want to go far, bring others along with you. All right. Well, um, that is pretty much it for this episode. I really do appreciate you listening. And like I said, if you have time to leave a review for the show, if you haven't yet, then that would be very much appreciated. I actually want to highlight a really nice interview that I got, or sorry, a really nice review that was submitted re somewhat recently. I used to read a lot of these off and I kind of took a hiatus on that, but uh, here's one by Timmy Tennis 78 Just want to shout you out. And you said that I listen to almost every tennis related podcast on the web. The Tennis Files podcast is among my favorites and one of the best available. Excellent mix of guests, coaches, pros, trainers, playtesters, and more. Check it out and you won't be disappointed. Uh, so really appreciate that, Timmy. Thanks a lot for leaving that review and the five stars and so forth. And uh, yeah, you know, I just really appreciate that. And I really enjoy interviewing the best minds uh, in tennis and then bringing that knowledge to you. And uh, it's a lot of fun for me. And especially with it bringing a lot of help to your game and uh, tips and everything. And you never know which tip it is or a piece of advice or quote or saying that might actually really help your game a lot. So it's always good to keep trying to learn and to implement things above all and then to try to improve every day. That's the name of the game and that's what keeps life exciting. So 
All right. Thanks a lot for listening. Um, Stay safe. uh, Enjoy yourselves. And we will see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.